Richard Radio begins in three, two, one. Somehow, God is in me, and there's a sense in which I am like God and man all at once. Many religions claim that we will all eventually be gods. The Bible says something so much better. It says, no, God will continue to be God. Man will continue to be man, but God will come upon man. No way! It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Who wants Jimmy's job? It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now, here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Freel. The mail is here! Ooh, this is Wretched Radio. Uh, do you have something wretched you think we might enjoy or not enjoy? Please send it to idea at wretched.org. And while you're at it, please send in your resume. We're replacing Jimmy. So if you have <laughs> just a clearly, what? you no, don't need no. much experience. To fill the role <laughs> of Jimmy, handsome Jimmy Hicks, send it to idea at wretched.org. You're not replacing me, are you? Did I misunderstand this whole thing? Did I re- read this note wrong? <laughs> you told me, you said we're hiring somebody for radio production. Right, I right. I just assume we're talking about you. No, 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 no. I just need some help. Ah. You're, you're, oh, you're working me like a Hebrew slave in so, here, Todd. Uh, <laughs> I need some help. You need an answer. Yeah, you need yourself somebody who's willing to come and work. Wow, check the inbox. We're gonna we're gonna be overwhelmed with resumes for people to help Jimmy. That's right. You can work elbow to elbow with Jimmy. We are expanding, and we are going to be surprising you with a lot of new podcasts and programs. They are in the funnel. They are going to be magnificent. And that means Jimmy needs help. So if you have radio, you tell every, what does somebody need to get this gig? So they need to be a, uh, a radio production expert. Expert. Well, yeah, they don't need to be a beginner. They need to be, they need not, not necessarily an expert, but experienced. Uh, experienced. All right. So a radio production person experience. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, um, and you know, when you talk about radio people, you know, there's, there's a desire to be on the air. That's not exactly what we're looking for. We're looking for the production, the people. production superstars. Yeah, look, Hey, and I've worked with some throughout the years. They're, they're kind of like, they're like the church secretary. They make the place run. So if that sounds like you at all, and you'd like to spend inordinate amount of time every day in the same room with Jimmy, send your resume to <laughs> idea at wretched.org along with all of your other wretched stuff, which you can also text to 877-282-2337. Must, seven. must love dad jokes. Well, okay, let's hear one. Oh, I don't I have one. You bring it I don't up. even have one. What do you mean you don't have one? I don't one? have you one your in calendar. Oh, yeah, I do. All right, well, get your calendar. And whilst you're talking about your calendar or looking at your calendar to find the latest lame dad joke as if there's ever, that's kind of a redundancy. What's taking you so long? I don't know. I don't like any of these. What the, you don't like any of them? <laughs> no, I don't. You don't like any of them? <laughs> Why did the football coach ask for 25 cents? Something about a quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Try another one. What? Did you hear about the dinosaur police officers? No, I didn't hear about the dinosaur police officers. Tell me about them, Jimmy. They're triceratops. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> this you is like what, British comedy too, don't you? I don't know what British comedy is. See, I don't. I don't know it either because I. It's just different for me. <laughs> So it's it's like what was that? Not Benny Hinshaw. <laughs> oh, that's a comedy. A ben, 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 uh, what was it? Benny Hill? It was he was a British comedian, and the, people in Great Britain loved this guy. And I always watch that humor, and I'm like scratching my head as if he were telling dad jokes. Maybe that he was, and that's why I just didn't get it. <laughs> I do not understand why you love these dad jokes. So hilarious. If you happen to have a good one, doubt it. Send it to idea at wretched.org. All right, this one is working with him every day. (laughs) This is from Anna. That could be your life. They would be blessed. Mm. 
This is from Hannah. Todd, I have a job in the healthcare system, and part of my job is caring for people who have mental illnesses, such as schizophrenia. Some clients hear voices that tell them to do things, go around like fires, uh, tell them that their food is poisoned, and other things like that. So my question is, is schizophrenia modern-day demon possession? Well, I you, I don't think you, anybody could make that sort of a blanket statement any more than you could say is anybody who behaves in some form of irrational manner demon possessed could they be well sure somebody could be but so could anybody who's not a believer uh, i i i think that i'd be pretty slow to make that diagnosis and if you have the concern that somebody is and if you have the leeway to do it the the best way to help somebody with that is to preach the gospel to them because when somebody gets saved the holy spirit indwells and he does not accept roommates and out the demon goes and bless your heart. And I don't mean that in the typical Southern sarcastic way for working with those folks. That is, I got to tell you, we, we don't applaud those people who give so much of themselves to help people who are hurting, uh, that whether it's mental illness, a physical malady. Uh, got to tell you, that is like exceedingly Christ-like behavior. So thank you for that idea at wretched.org, 877-282-2337. All right, this next question is from Anonymous. Uh, Todd, did God bless the United States specifically? Specifically versus everybody else? No, God causes the rain to fall on everybody around the globe. Having said that, I think you'd have to be pretty blind let's let's just back this off for a second because what we could do with this particular question is say oh you're saying that this is god's chosen country or we've replaced israel i'm not saying that but if we can at least agree blessings all blessings national blessings are from god and america has had more of them than any other nation so did god bless america in abundance absolutely did he bless it in a way that it somehow is playing some eschatological role? Nope. But I think we'd have to be pretty foolish to overlook the fact God showered blessings on this country. He still does, even though it does appear that a judgment hand is 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 starting uh, to potentially tip the scale from his benevolence to more of his judgment. Jimmy, would you change anything about what I just said? I don't think so. Yeah, we're a blessed nation. There's yeah. no question. I mean, you got to look at all of it. You've resources, commerce, the the what the evangelical church has been able to do, what has happened on this, the human flourishing that has taken place, a rising of all tides and all boats. It's been a magnificent. Haven't done better yet than the United States of America. So we would be right to say, yeah, God has blessed America, but that is. That's about where I would leave it so that we don't make any sort of confusion or create any confusion about America's role in Jesus' return. 877-282-2337 if you want to text. This is from Emily. Uh, Todd, do you think someone is truly saved if they also carry the belief that you are not saved until you've been baptized? That's a problem. Now, we, get, we want to be careful with this because think of Apollos. He, did, he was confused about baptism. He did not understand the, he, he believed in the baptism of John the Baptist, but he did not believe he, because he hadn't been taught about the believer's baptism, Matthew 28, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Priscilla and Aquila took him aside and explained it to him, and he went back to teaching. Why? Because he was simply ignorant, and he needed to be taught. So before you label somebody a heretic because they think that baptism saves, you, you need to assume the best. And start teaching. Now, if that person changes their tune, then you just carry on just like Apollos. And you put it in the rearview mirror and away you go. If the individual says, nope, I think something needs to be done. I need to do something or even something needs to be done to me besides faith in Christ alone. Well, then the book of Galatians would apply to baptism just like it does to circumcision. Baptism does not save. It is the external act that indicates we have been saved internally. And so if the individual then persists 
in believing that baptism saves, then you would have to say if it is ongoing, persistent, then they would qualify for the anathematizing that Paul did in Galatians regarding circumcision. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this is from Michelle. Uh, Todd, in, in addition to the gospel and the essentials of the faith, how much doctrine uh, compatibility should there be before Christians date or marry each oh, other? Oh, that is such an important question. A lot. Because there's practicalities that are involved. There are going to be some issues. In fact, I recently received an email. Uh, the, the young man was, I believe, reformed. And the woman he was dating, I believe, was charismatic. All right, what church are you going to go to? Somebody's going to have to compromise. Or what will happen, and this ain't good, she goes to one, he goes to the other. That is not the model. That is not the pattern for a family. They should be a worshiping tribe together. So I think that some of these issues, there could be a slew of practical issues. Uh, the, the, the one historically that I always think about is, of course, baptism. You've got a Presbyterian and a, and a Baptist. All right, certainly they're both orthodox. That's not up for question, questioning. But what are you going to do when the babies are born? Somebody ain't going to be happy. You really should work through those things. Dive in deep on those issues because if you can both be orthodox, but if it makes living together acrimonious, uh, then you probably might want to get back to eHarmony.com. This is Wretched Radio. Who will speak for those who are staggering to the slaughter? Seems like right now would be a good time to encourage you to support Preborn Ministries. They're in it. It's a little complex out there with the internet and ordering pills. They're in the game. They're working hard to save babies and save mommies and daddies with the gospel. So if you are energized about life, that's something you can do. You can support Preborn. They provide free ultrasounds despite the accusations of all pro-life clinics. They are holistic. They do care about the mommy too. And they care for the family and they provide training. And it is literally a way that if you have the means, you can be saving a life. Amazing ministry. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. You know, it is a beautiful day to talk about something close to our hearts. Here at Gospel Partners Media, you know we're on a mission. We talk about it so frequently, and it's a mission that doesn't include buying jets with your donations. Even if we wanted to, which we don't, but if we did, the folks at the ECFA would put us on some kind of list or something. I don't know, but that's not what our mission is. We're on a mission to reach as many people all across the world by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that is where you come in. So, if you enjoy listening to us here at Wretched Radio and thought, hey, these guys are okay. Well, we would ask if you would prayerfully consider joining us on this mission because your support could be the difference in someone hearing the gospel. And let's be honest, in the grand scheme of things, isn't that worth a little bit more than just keeping the lights on? Though we do like seeing where we're going. <laughs> Wretched.org slash donate. That's where you can get answers to any questions you may possibly have on becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Might I, first of all, thank you for the hundreds of wretches who supported Masters Academy International last year. And if you are now perhaps intrigued by what they do at Masters Academy International, would encourage you to check them out. Yes, we're doing a Bible distribution program with them, but they're training pastors around the globe. Seminary trained students at the Masters Seminary return to their native land and they get plugged into a Master's Academy International mini seminary outlet where they teach indigenous pastors how to rightly divide the word of truth. It's brilliant. And these indigenous pastors trained at the Master's Seminary train indigenous pastors. Brilliant. It is a wonderful ministry and you could be supporting a pastor, you could be supporting a seminary overseas and you'll be strengthening the local church. You can do that at wretched.org slash pastor. Wretched.org slash pastor. Books of the Bible. 
The Book of Psalms is a collection of divinely inspired songs of praise for every season in life. There are songs of lament, thanksgiving, praise, celebration, and remembrance of God's mighty deeds, all to help us find our soul's delight in God in all circumstances. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let's check the email, shall we? Oh, Jimmy! (laughs) Yes? How many resumes have you received? (laughs) Fourteen. Your pants are on fire, aren't they, son? (laughs) How many you got? Well, I mean, it's only been 20 minutes, Todd. Alrighty, that would be a big, fat (laughs) goose egg. (laughs) Nothing. Nada. And I can't say as I blame you. (laughs) All right, Jimmy, you suggest that people not just send in a resume, but they could go to wretched.org slash hiring. Hiring? Uh That's That's what we came up with. (laughs) Wretched.org slash hiring. And Uh you can see all of the details about working with Jimmy in a eight eight foot by eight foot room. It's a little bigger than For about four hours a day, because that's pretty much all we can get out of him. And then you can send your resume to idea at wretched.org. All right. This is from Josh. Todd, I'm 46 years old, single with no kids. One of the spiritual gifts I believe the Lord has given me is the gift of having a heart to give. I get such great joy from seeing how I can bless others with my giving. And being that I'm not getting married or having kids, I'd like to give the principle of my retirement savings and live off the interest. If okay, I, hold it, hold it, hold it. He wants to give the principal and live off, but you can't live off interest if you don't have principal. I, I think he's saying that he wants to leave the, the principal after. Capiche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carry yeah. on. So if I leave my retirement savings to different ministries when I die, does the Lord still consider it giving, even though I'm not alive anymore? There are two ways to approach this question. One is the accounting angle. The other one is the heart angle. I once heard somebody said, if you leave a will, you know, to give money to a church or parish or whatever it is that you choose, um, it doesn't count when you're dead. Um, I don't know that we can make that sort of a, a hard and fast rule. Besides, it just, there's so many details that are involved in these types of decisions. It's like, okay, how much of the principal do you keep and how much do you give away? And what if you're, okay, he's single, so he doesn't have kids who can take care of him. So what, and what is the budget going to be? For the nursing home. And, but what if I only need this level of, and it just gets to be. That's why I think heart is the way to approach this. What would you like to give God now? What can you give God now? Give it. And then whatever is left over, give it. It'll just, it'll be passed on to whatever organization you choose when you die. I, I don't think that these that this should be a hard and fast. If you wait to give it when you die, you get no credit for it. It's still a gift to the Lord. How he measures it, well, that's his scales will make that determination. Make the decision based on how much you can give now. If you, especially if you delight in giving it now and experiencing the joy of giving, then give what you can. Be wise and engage somebody to help you with these decisions. Especially if you're single, you don't have a spouse the heart angle requires what you want to give. That is what giving has always been about, my desire. This is how much I love the Lord. It is a tangible expression of my gratitude toward him. It's a heart issue, but the problem with my heart is I can fudge the numbers because my heart is bent toward, well, me. So I need help. Lay out the plan. Bring in an elder or two. Somebody who's wise, older in the church. Hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is what's motivating it. Feel free to ask some questions so you can get to the heart of the issue and make the decision based on your desire to give to the Lord out of gratitude. And send stuff to idea at wretched.org. All right, this next question is from Simon. Todd, I work as a pharmacist, and I'm wondering, is giving the medication to the patient in the pharmacy the same as participating in the act of potentially aborting a baby? That word potentially is pretty important right there because if you're talking about birth control that keeps the sperm from uniting with the egg, I don't think that there's any issue with that. The question, of course, is the medication that you are delivering over the counter Does it have an abortive element in it? If it does, and it's not just about could it, might it, we don't know that, but what we know is it is an instrument of death. That's what we know. That is its intended purpose. And so those prescriptions, as a believer, I think it would be very, very problematic. Let me start with problematic. 
very problematic to be handing over that medication because of its intended purpose. There are always going to be situations in retail when you sell somebody something that is used in a nefarious manner. But if you did not know about it, you're not participating in that crime. Somebody comes into the, the drugstore and they buy a nail clipper. You sell it to them. No problem. You discover three days later in the news, somebody went on a nail clipping murder spree and suddenly you go, wait a second, that was the guy that bought the nail clipper from me at the pharmacy. You're not guilty. You sold a nail clipper. It's intended to clip nails. Selling something that's intended to take a life, uh, for me, I think it's more than problematic. I think this goes beyond an individual conscience issue. I, I think for the Christian, we'd have to say, a uh, boss, I got to get an exemption for this. I simply cannot participate. I, I will do all the other things that you asked me to do, but this one is violating my conscience. I cannot participate in this. And I think you should be able to get an exemption because I'm quite certain you are not the first pharmacist to have this conundrum. Idea at wretched.org, 877-282-2337. But Jimmy, before you jump into the mailbag, huh? I was bringing up, I, I mentioned the issue of conscience. If you would like a free resource on that subject, the conscience, please go to wretched.org slash liberty. Wretched.org slash liberty. And you can get the stream. You can get the download. It's 21 lectures long. It, I think it's worth your time, but it's, it's deficient for our brave new world issues. There are new challenges to Christian behavior that are causing us to go, oh, what am I dealing with here when it comes to the pronoun and the gay wedding? And the, well, how, how, we got, we've got to work through this. And we've got to know about a category called adiaphora. These are liberty issues, gray issues. Where do these brave new world issues fall? We'll get started in the conversation. We're going to talk about this. I'm anticipating next week, but I might not be ready because I, I understand the issue of adiaphora because the historic issues, I, I think for me on, on, on my side of it, where I believe we have liberty, uh, it's, they're pretty clear and easy. And we've sorted them over the decades. You know, the drinking, smoking, movies, etc. We've sorted that. These issues we have never sorted before. And we gots to. And the sooner we get on it, the better to help you work through these issues in the context of your local church, wretched.org slash liberty. I'm done, Jimmy. All right. This one is from Jody. How do you decide in the Old Testament what was strictly for the nation of Israel and what is applicable to New Testament believers? Got to be careful with this one. This is a law issue. Jesus, Matthew 5, 18 and 19. Don't be impressed. I'm preaching on it this weekend. He didn't come to abolish the law. If anybody gets rid of a jot or a tittle, I came to fulfill the law. Now, some people would say that's an expanding of the law, an explaining of the law in full. I think it is more about Jesus pointing to himself as the one who is going to fulfill all righteousness by keeping all of those laws. But now we run into a conundrum because you've got 20, 30 verses in the New Testament that talk about not being under the law. Jesus was born under the law, but you and I are no longer under the law. It is a schoolmaster. The law silences. The law kills. The law brings about the knowledge of sin, but it no longer has authority. So which is it? And the answer is yes. The way that I deal with Old Testament laws are a jot or tittle has not disappeared. The principles behind them, they will endure forever. But the specific laws that are codified in the Mosaic laws were for the Jewish people at that time in that covenant. We are not the Jewish people in that zip code under that covenant. We are in a new covenant. And so none of those laws have force on us, but the principles behind them do. Now you've got another consideration. We're not done yet. Well, what is the New Testament command? Well, it commands nine out of the Ten Commandments, less the Sabbath commandment. It has all kinds of prescriptions for correct Christian living. And it, the precepts are constant, and there's lots of laws that are laid down. How we're supposed to love one another, not be angry, not use abusive speech, that we're supposed to be pure and thoughtward. All of those things are in force. 
clearly, directly, because they're written to us. It is the principles from the Old Testament that we bring forward. If you are wanting to know how to do that, I do encourage you to get Herman Hu at wretched.org. It is, it's just a hermeneutics lecture that will help you to understand the use of the law. There are three ways you can deal with Old Testament laws. You can break them up into columns, three columns, if you want ceremonial, uh, the, the sacrificial laws, the civil laws, the moral laws. And you can say, okay, the, all the moral laws, they're still there, but the other two, they're, they're gone. Well, I don't see that tripartite division in the Old Testament. So I think better to choose they're either all gone, we bring the principles forward, or they're all in place unless the New Testament says they're not. Each one of, each one of those approaches, it has a weak flank. Um, but you should know how to deal with the laws because Jesus did not abolish them He fulfilled them, and yet the force of them is limited to teaching us how we should live because God's morality, it never changes. You can find that resource at wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break. Here on Wretched Radio, I am Jimmy Hicks. In Massachusetts, the issue of safety and security in schools has escalated to the point where officials have requested the deployment of the National Guard to address issues of violence, substance abuse, and security concerns. I'm telling you what, if your learning environment requires the National Guard, I'd say you waited a little bit too late to make some changes. Shifting gears to the realm of music, a recent claim by an MSNBC guest sparked some controversy. The guests suggested that all forms of music in the United States of America, with the exception of classical music, was stolen from black people by white individuals. The discussion tried to talk about the complexities of music history and the cultural influences, but this was almost too hard to watch. In another development, President Joe Biden's climate bill, the Inflation Reduction Act, has inadvertently benefited China's battery market, raising questions about the unintended consequence of green energy policies. The the influx of Chinese components for electric vehicles in the United States following the enactment of the legislation has raised concerns about how this is going to impact domestic industries and global supply chains. I know the story says this inadvertently benefited China, Make no mistake about it, there was nothing inadvertent about this at all. And I don't know if you've seen this, but Dr. Phil recently made some pretty candid remarks about the complexity of transgender issues and their impact on children. He offered a sobering perspective on the changing landscape in society. It's worth a watch, you can take my word for it, especially since Dr. Phil's not someone that I would recommend too often. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. of Christ. In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the physician. Jesus healed many physical ailments during his ministry on earth. When he comes again, he will put an end to death and disease and give us spiritual bodies to last for eternity. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Was on your mind. This is Wretched Radio. If you would discover something wretched on the internet, please send it to idea at wretched.org. And don't forget, you can use the texter machine, 877-282-2337. All right, speaking of that, here is a text from Anonymous. Todd, what do you do about fellowshipping with people who creep you out in the church? I'm always kind towards them, but I do feel bad about the bad feeling I get when I'm around them, and I do find myself avoiding them. How many creepy people does he go to church I with? I don't know. How many? What is it? The Church of the Creeps? What is <laughs> How do you? I mean, sure, sometimes you're going to meet some people who maybe you find just like it doesn't click, but creepy people? Um, uh, there are two thoughts that I might encourage you with. Uh, Number one, if you find that there's a lot of people that creep you out, there's a pretty good chance it's not the people. And maybe you need to expand and adjust the way that you view people and what makes somebody creepy and what doesn't make somebody creepy. You're going to church with somebody 
who who walks around with a big hump on their back going, hey, 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 okay, that's a little bit creepy. But otherwise, most folks are, you know, just most folks. Second, might encourage you to consider a heart exploration. Why might you be finding so many? I don't know how many we're talking about here, but okay, if you said to me, name the creepy people in your church, I got, n- I serious, I got none. I, name the creepy people from your last church. No, no, not creepy. Might be, look, there's going to be some people that you see visually and it's like, well, that's just not the way I kind of do it, comport myself, dress, do my hair, whatever. But that's not creepy. You might want to adjust your definition of the word creepy. And Jimmy. Yes. You know what? I think I just learned something. What's that? Well, because, you know, every church has creepy people. And if you're not aware of who that is, it could be you. It is I. <laughs> so apparently I'm the creeper. Okay. Yeah, maybe I, a better. I see dude, it. dude, if you're listening, send it in with like a more of an explanation on creepy. And how many people are we talking about here? And what is it exactly that is creeping you out? Because as you grow in your love for Christians, you're going to notice less and less creepy. You're going to. You're going to stop seeing the typical visual markers that we tend to use, like physical fitness, age, socio, the quality of their clothes, how they put themselves together. You just, that stuff just kind of just doesn't register as much. I'm increasingly, those types of measurements, just irrelevant. And I would say as a Christian, um, the the kind of people that you're registering as, as creepy I think you'll stop seeing them as you grow, like you said, as creepy and maybe start seeing them as um, as someone that you could help. Well, sure. If there's somebody who's clearly got. Right. Like, that's why the word creepy isn't you know, as, as robust a word as we could need right now. But if you if you see somebody and it's like, oh, they aren't like, OK, what? Then help them. Then, yeah. you know, jump in. What was this? I just read the somebody did. Um, um, if you see a need, fill it, or see a need, do the deed, or something like that. You see something that that could be something to consider. If you're seeing people that look like they're hurting, different word than creepy, I get it. That, that they're struggling, then dive in and help them. That's what church is all about. Eight seven seven two eight two two three three seven. This question is from Jess. Todd, I saw a shirt that is a pro-life shirt, and it quotes Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Mm-hmm. Is that taking the verse out of context to no, push an I agenda? That works. That one, that one works. That's a, that's a pretty traditional pro-life verse. What is God describing for Jeremiah? He put him together in his mother's womb, and that applies not just to Jeremiah, like he's the only baby that got formed. So Jeremiah 1.5 is an excellent pro-life verse. John the Baptist in the womb is an excellent pro-life verse. Psalm 139, excellent pro-life chapter, talks all about God knitting together the baby in the womb. So that applies to more than Jeremiah. So I think Jeremiah 1.5, you're using that just fine. Now, the graphics, the design, any other goofiness that might be on a Christian t-shirt, I'm not saying that's okay, but Jeremiah 1.5 for a pro-life shirt is. Okay, this is from Jeff. Todd, uh, my friend is part of the Freemasons, and he's invited me to be a part of it. <laughs> but even after searching on the internet, I don't have a clear un- <laughs> don't have a clear understanding of what this club is or and how it ever will or how it functions. Exactly. What they is don't the, tell you. What does the Bible teach regarding things like this? A secret society should be avoided. That if, if somebody's not willing to bring everything out into the light, there's mischief behind them closed doors. And that is true. Freemasons, Shriners. Sorry, my Southern Baptist friends who don't have a problem with it. I got a big problem with their gruesome oaths, their blood-curdling oaths, and that their, their description of God it is even a workspace system. And it is it is secretive. You can't tell anybody what it's all about. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What kind of club are we talking about here? And the answer would be a dark, secretive cult that I think the Christian should have no part in. And you will never know the totality of what they teach until you keep climbing level after level after level. And you get exposed to more and more gruesomeness. I, it is, I get it. 
There can be some advantages in your community. You get business contacts. Got to find another way to make a living. I would not participate in that system because if nothing else, go read the blood-curdling oaths. You can find those. Google those. I hope you have the stomach for it. It's like, okay, I vow that if I share this secret, you can take one of those sabers, cut me from neck to navel, take my guts and strangle me with it. It's like, what? And you think I'm exaggerating. I'm not. They're even worse than that. What does a Christian have to do with making oaths like that? Remember what Jesus said about oaths. There is a time for oaths. Jesus, It's funny, because in Matthew 5, Jesus says, don't make any oaths. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. And yet, earlier in Matthew 5, he says, verily, verily, I say to you, not one jot or tittle will pass away from the law. It was, if you will, an oath. Not all oaths are bad. A marriage oath is good. But a blood-curdling, gruesome, secretive oath, that's verboten. Your, your yes should be yes and your no should be no. That's your integrity, that you're a Christ one and you just do what you say. And oaths like that, just, they just have no place in the Christian life. You can make an oath, but those are superfluous. And in this instance, eesh, eesh, idea at wretched.org. All right, this next question is from Kadif. Todd, what are some ways to overcome the pain of failed hopes and dreams? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to answer that with an immediate remedy because I don't know where you're at in the season of grieving. There should be an appropriate amount of time, and that can be varying for every individual, but you should take the time to feel sad about something. You had a presumably a, something that was hopeful that wasn't sinful and it didn't happen. You can be sad about that. That's okay. Now, if it goes on for an inordinate amount of time, um, then you might want to take a look at it and see if it has somehow become an idol or a sin inside of your heart that it held too high of a place of esteem that you were loving that and needing that instead of finding your full satisfaction in the Lord. Take your time, grieve it, and how you ultimately get over it is the doctrine. There's two doctrines, not one, two doctrines, sovereignty and theology proper. Sovereignty is whatever it is that you wanted or hoped would happen, God didn't. That's why it didn't happen. God made the decision. You did not. Circumstances did not. God determined, nope, you're not getting that. And then you need to remember theology proper, which tells us about the character and the attributes of God. And we see that he is good and he is able and he is faithful and he is kind and he is loving and he is generous and he never gives us a cup of poison. He always does that which is right and best for us, including discipline, including withholding goodies and the desires of your heart because he seeks something better for you. So if your dreams and your hopes have been dashed, you can mourn that. Make sure that they didn't rise to the level of idol and to move beyond it. Whatever the loss is, sovereignty, theology proper, idea at wretched.org. All right. This uh, next question is from Anonymous. A church in my area, Ton, has a location in Las Vegas. And recently they talked about setting up a booth in an adult entertainment convention. Oh, no. From which they spread the word no. in hopes of motivating people. No. Uh, he says, while I get the logic, is it right that they purposely put themselves in that environment? No, it's not. There are other places to find sinners. This whole, I, I got to go to that place to reach them. You can, you know what? When, whoever's in the adult entertainment industry, <laughs> we sanitize things. Uh, you can find them at the grocery store. Be evangelist. Be an evangelizing church. Be a faith-sharing church. Where you go, that's what it doesn't mean you go to dark places intentionally, especially when you're going to see who knows what there. You don't need to have a ministry inside of the strip club. You can find strippers elsewhere. Do not put yourself into situations and use pragmatism to override, which I what I think should be a big, obvious. Eh. This is Wretched Radio. 
Well, in a world that is undeniably cluttered with quick fixes and superficial solutions, now comes a journey into the heart of real change. I'm talking about Transformed Season 3. It's finally here, and we're inviting you into the lives of individuals that are facing the giants of fear and guilt and grief. But hey, there's a twist. These aren't your typical battles. These battles have been fought with the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. You'll witness loneliness and overeating and relational tension met with grace, truth, and love that can only come from the one who knows us the best. This season's not just about watching others. It's about seeing yourself and your struggles and the path to true transformation through biblical counseling. We'll together dive deep into the heart of what it means to be transformed. Transformed Season 3 can be found right now at wretched.org slash transformed3. Record number of children are attending the Tomorrow Clubs in Africa. You should see the videos. Hundreds of kids run to meet at a Tomorrow Club in Africa. Why? Because Tomorrow Clubs, they're weekly kids meeting clubs where the kids, yep, they get some treats, but they get the gospel. They get the Bible. They get Bible memorization. Remember, we used to force our kids to do that, but now that we're oppressors, we don't want to be toxic and make our kids memorize Bible verses when it's about a gazillion times easier than when you get old. And they worship the Lord, they pray together, and they get loved on. Tomorrow clubs, I'm telling you, record-breaking. The images are so encouraging, so cool, and I would encourage you to consider being a Tomorrow Club partner. One dollar per child per month. Encourage you to please consider supporting the great ministry tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Are you ready to go on an adventure that tackles life's biggest questions head on? Well, we invite you to join John Fabares and Jake Ream on a riveting journey in Road Trip to Truth Season 4. This season, they're hitting the road to explore deep questions about sin, atheism, racism, and the very nature of truth itself. Through candid conversations with university students and wisdom from experts, this season delivers some unwavering answers from a biblical perspective. Whether it's understanding the reality of heaven and hell, navigating the complexities of marriage, or uncovering the truths about money and forgiveness, Road Trip to Truth Season 4 will be your guide. It's perfect for youth groups, families, or anyone who seeks to defend their faith with confidence. Road Trip to Truth has been more than a series. It's a tool for sparking meaningful discussions and inspiring a commitment to the gospel. So if you're ready to head out on a road trip, buckle up for the truth. Road Trip to Truth Season 4, available now at wretched.org slash 4. Attributes of God What does it mean to say God is righteous? He is the standard of what is right and good. He is in strict adherence to His moral law, and He is the source of righteousness through Jesus Christ for every sinner who repents and puts their trust in Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. <laughs> this, is, this is just first degree. This is Wretched Radio. Freemasonry requires the initiate to make an oath if you want to be a first degree Mason. And the oaths, even at that level, are blood curdling. Quote, all this I most sincerely promise and swear with a firm and steadfast resolution to perform the same without any mental reservation or secret evasion of mine whatsoever, binding myself under no less penalty than, here we go, having my throat cut across, my tongue torn out by its roots, and my body buried in the rough sands of the sea at low water mark where the tide ebbs and flows twice in 24 hours. Should I ever knowingly violate this, my entered apprentice obligation? So help me God, that is not an oath a Christian should be taking. If you get to the second degree, they just increase in their grotesqueness. So I promise to do all of this stuff. And if I violate my oath, then... I will have my breast torn open, my heart plucked out, and placed on the highest pinnacle of the temple, and carried into the valley of Jehoshaphat, there to be devoured by the vultures of the air. Should I ever knowingly violate the fellow craft obligation, so help me God? That's level two. 
And they, this go, I don't know how many levels they have, but there are a lot of them. And they are all gruesome. They all swear by God, whatever they intend that to represent. And that's why I just don't think a Christian should be participating in something like that. You disagree? Feel free to send an email to idea at wretched.org. All right, this question is from Daniel. Todd, my family and I regularly pass out gospel tracts in Thailand. Well done. A female pastor saw us doing this and invited us to her church, even suggesting that I preach or give a short message. We belong to a church that holds a biblical view on pastoral roles, specifically that they are reserved for men. So is accepting this offer a good way to share the gospel, or would it be seen as an endorsing of biblical practice? Your text, 1 Timothy 2.12. Go preach it. Don't worry, you won't be invited back. <laughs> when I go to a place, uh, for instance, would I go to the Mormon tabernacle? And the answer might surprise you. Yeah, I actually would. If, if I could clearly preach the gospel of grace, if I could preach the exclusivity of the Bible, I would absolutely preach truth. How I get ridden out on a rail or ushered from the stage. But to go to a place like that, in order to reach people, if they want to invite me, sure, as long as I can preach whatever I want. If I were going to go into this particular situation, 1 Timothy 2.12, let's open up our Bibles. Thanks, it was nice being here. Please don't hurt me on my way out the door. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this question is from Anonymous. Todd, my pastor has uh, subtly, subtly brought in the prosperity gospel. I have a, I've had a few meetings with him about my concerns, but I'm still concerned and confused about staying and continue questioning in hopes that the Holy Spirit convicts his heart. Or do I go to the Baptist church in town where there is sound doctrine? <laughs> he's, he's sort of preaching the prosperity gospel. Yeah, he said it's been subtly brought in. Okay, well, you need to talk to him some more. Just talk to him. Where are you headed? I've noticed. Uh, here, let me tell you what I'm hearing. Is that what you're intending to say? I'm hearing inkles of fill-in-the-blank prosperity preacher. I've read a book about this, and that sounded like that. Can you tell me if I'm hearing this wrong? Is that, was that your intention? That, because there is a part of me, I have to confess. In fact, sorry, preached about it on Sunday. The, the title of my sermon on Sunday, based on the Beatitudes and the Similitudes, were the uh, 10, I believe, yeah, 10 marks of, just brace yourself for this, 10 marks of the abundant life. And I could tell people were opening up their bulletins and they're like, what do you mean abundant life? When did we become a prosperity church? So that's why I stuck with that word. Because first of all, I think in our 21st century context, that particular word means more to us. I'm not saying it's a better word. It just means more to us than the word blessing, malakoi, the, the, the supreme happiness, the settled state of the individual who is poor in spirit. That, that's, that's what we are. That's the people that we are. And the word blessed is good, but Jesus in John 10.10 10 says that he came to, came to give us life and give it more abundantly so we can live an abundant life. And once again, I thought, I am not going to let these prosperity hacks rob us of good words. We get to live an abundant life, y'all. No, the, the real abundant life, not the prosperity and yachts and all of that nonsense. What just, just about every, there's been millions of boats that are buried and probably just to, totally disintegrated on the bottom of the sea. They're nothing. What are the blessed things? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom. Whoa, they're, kingdom, they're members of the kingdom. They'll inherit the earth. Whoa. These are, these are the things that have meaning and that are profound and abundant. So I'm just not a fan of giving up these words to people because they've hacked them to pieces. We do get to live an abundant life. Now, if your pastor is turning that into finances, uh-oh. If he's turning it into perfect health, uh-oh then that, of course, would be veering into the realm of the prosperity gospel, and you would simply do well to sit down and talk to them about it. That is, that is true for virtually every issue that you have a concern about in your church. Sit down respectfully, prayerfully, with the, with the intention of being the one who is in error. You walk into that meeting thinking, it has to be. There's no way, my pastor... I must be hearing this stuff wrong. You go in with attitude and you'll get it sorted. And then you can send stuff 
to 877-282-2337. All right, this next question is from Sam. Todd, I am concerned that I lack true sorrow over my sin. I want uh, my grief to primarily be because I've offended God, not just feeling bad about the consequences. So how do I develop a sorrow that sincerely grieves over how my sin hurts the Lord? How do you know? How do you know it's not a contrite sorrow? how How do you know it's not a worldly sorrow? And you're never going to be able to discern that answer analyzing the feelings. You just can't. Feelings are very difficult to discern. Do you, you've, let's say you've committed a sin. How do you feel? Well, I don't feel, I feel bad. All right, keep going. Um, well, I feel like ashamed. I guess I have regret. I, um, I, I feel guilty. W- w- which is it? Well, yeah, I guess it's kind of like, oh, if you try to pinpoint exactly what level of contrition you have, I, honestly, I think you're on a fool's errand. You're never going to get that sorted. So then the question is still begged. Well, then how do I know if I'm a believer? Because it is true that a believer does have contrition. Well, 2 Corinthians 7 helps us. If you are genuinely contrite, if you are truly repentant, you will see it in actions. You. Go read through 2 Corinthians 7, and you are going to see there are seven marks of the truly contrite person. Now, you might not have all of those things. Don't get, don't get too surgical. But, but you, you should be going, okay, yes, I want to make this right. I want it. Okay, there you go. That's how you know you're having a, a contrite sorrow. You want to make it right. You expressed a part of contrition because you've sinned against God. I, I, I've just, I've discovered for a lot of people, so you're not weird this way. I believe, Jimmy, he said something like, I want to make sure it's contrition against God. I I would say you're on the right track. If it weren't aimed in that direction, furthermore, how do you know you don't? How do you know that you're wanting to be contrary toward God isn't actually contrition toward God? It just gets too difficult to sort those affections. See what it looks like in action. Mm-hmm. And if you've got no fruit in keeping with repentance, then you might have concern. But even then, I might, I might suggest that the sanctification rule applies to the contrition principle. The sanctification rule is not, how many good things have I done today? That's not a good rule because you're going to become a fruit inspector and you're always going to be falling woefully short, if you're being honest. The question should be, how much fruit do I want to produce? How much do I want to do for the? That is a much better marker. Same thing is true with contrition. How contrite do you want to be? Not at all, frankly. Well, you've got problems. No, I want to be very contrite. Cool. I, I don't think that I would pastorally get all that anxious for you. Study your Bible. Keep being convicted of your sin. See if it bears itself out in life change, fruit being produced, and increasingly your scruples will become more and more informed. The emotional trauma that you've got going on inside of your head will increasingly get sorted and settled down as you continue to mature. Never get lazy over sin. Never do that. You should be growing in your understanding of your poorness of spirit. And and as you do that, I think you're going to discover you, you will have more clarity with your emotions and your affections. Be careful with being a fruit inspector. Didn't say never do it. I didn't, I didn't, I, but it's more of a desire for the fruit. It's not the number of tears shed. A better question is how many tears do you want to shed? And if the answer is buckets, uh, don't, don't, don't get, don't get tripped up and stuck because you've only shed three drops of tears. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.